0: The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. This is Coach Beak with Brady and Zach, covering Montgomery and Sumner County football. Here are your hosts, Brady McAtemney and Zach Wamble. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to episode four of Coach Speak. My name is Brady McAtemney, and I cover Montgomery County sports here in Clarksville with Main Street Clarksville.
0: And I am Zach Womble, the sports reporter here in Sumner County for the Gallatin News, the Hendersonville Standard and the Portland Sun. We've got a fun show for you today, don't we, Brady?
1: We absolutely do. Uh, we are going to be talking to Montgomery Central head coach Jeff Tomlinson, head coach of the undefeated Indians, along with head coach of the Portland Panthers, Wes Inman, coming off a big win against Northwest.
0: And of course, as always, we give you our pick our breakdowns for each week, and you're going to want to stick around for our Player of the Week segment as well. Absolutely. Let's get right into it.
1: So, Zach, let's get into our Player of the Week segment for this week. Um, I know you probably got someone uh, who had a big week lined up, so uh, let's hear who you got.
0: Yeah, so a uh, couple big games. Uh, you know, Portland and Gallatin really really blew the scoreboard off uh, on Friday night, kind of, uh, you know, took the lights out of the game. But, you know, I was looking at a contest that was that was kind of close and one uh, that had a lot of implications on it. And, and while Gallatin and Portland did play in big region games, I had to look at the Hendersonville and Beach game, the Battle for Drix Creek. Uh, a contest that really was not as close as the score showed. I know it was 28-10 was the final, but it wasn't that close. And if it wasn't for a blocked punt that led to a touchdown, it would have been 28-3. And even still, I don't think it would have been that close. Um, Hendersonville just dominated this game from from start to finish, which was kind of a surprise uh, to see their offensive and defensive line kind of push Beach around. But as far as the player of the game concerned, is concerned. There was a few different players, but I had to look at uh, Hendersonville senior Ellis Ellis, their do it all man, my preseason player of the year. He had 15 carries for 135 yards, he added three catches for 65 yards and two touchdowns had two pass breakups on defense plus an interception and a first down run that sealed the win for Hendersonville. He was all over the field Friday night, as was a lot of their players. Jack Busey had a really good game. Jack Brown had a really good game. Luke Manning, their quarterback, had probably his best game, according to James Beasley, being able to pitch it, play pitch and catch across the field. Uh, like I said, Hendersonville was kind of able to do whatever they wanted to against Beach um, and had several different players that show out, but none bigger than Ellis Ellis, who is my week three player of the week.
1: Yeah, I know Ellis Ellis is a heck of a player. I mean, you wouldn't have chosen him as your preseason player of the week if he wasn't, so uh, very much well-deserved. Um, before I get into my player of the week, I just want to give a big shout-out to uh, Clarksville High's um, Andrew Irvin. He made a 50-yard field goal to beat uh, Ross Youth this past Friday, and um, – I mean, just you should have heard the place when he made that kick, man. I mean, Clarksville High just erupted when that ball went through the upright. Um, so I just want to give, a, you know, kind of an honorable mention to him. He had uh, a huge kick. You know, that's going to be remembered for a while in the uh, Clarksville-Rossview lore. Um, but I'm going to go for uh, my player of the week. I'm going to go to Clarksville Academy. Um, they are now 3-0, and and uh, a big part of that is thanks to quarterback Cooper Wallace. They beat uh, Middle Tennessee Christian 27-24. to Uh, Cooper Wallace, if you remember when we talked to Scott Murray, uh, this is a guy, he's their starting quarterback, and he hadn't played quarterback since middle school uh, leading up to this year. Um, He has soaked up a lot of knowledge from these guys. He has become um, someone that they can really – depend on someone that they can really lean on on, on their offense and that shows I mean they're 3 and 0 man and uh this year or I'm sorry this uh week uh Cooper threw for 164 yards, two touchdowns and also ran for 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so it's over 200 yards of offense, three touchdowns and uh when you beat a team by 3 points, I mean that's that's about the difference in that game. So um Cooper Wallace, my player of the week this week. <laughs> We welcome Jeff Tomlinson into coach speak head of head coach of the Montgomery Central Indians who are off to a two and o or three and o start depending on how you look at it with their week one COVID forfeit Jeff how you doing today doing
2: good doing good how
1: are you guys we're doing very good so uh, Jeff you guys are off to a very strong start to this season um, after missing the postseason last year you guys are in a really tough district but I mean you guys are off to about as good of a start as you could ask for um What's the confidence level like right now in the uh, Indians locker room at, at uh, Indians practices?
2: It, it, it's it's really good. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of confidence, um, almost too much confidence. we got to dial that back and let, let them know that you know we can't get overconfident um, and that we've got big games ahead of us and that we've got to get prepared for those big games. And the biggest of all games is starting this Friday night against Hillwood.
0: Coach Tomlinson I'm I'm curious you know you you had to you had to take a step back and not be able to play that week 1 game how did that throw you guys off of your schedule and then how were you able to bounce back and get prepared for the 16 nothing win the next week at, at Clarksville Northeast
2: Well it, it was just it was just devastating to get that news on a Wednesday that we're not going to get to play that Friday and you know all the anticipation coming up to it and, and uh, you know every, the kid's wanting to play and um, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, you know, we just took the approach that Wednesday at practice that, you know, it's time to get ready for Northeast. And so we started pre- game prepping for Northeast at that that moment. And, um, you know, I told, I told our kids that, you know, Northeast has got a really good football team and they're really athletic. But we are going to be the more disciplined team and we're going to be the more fundamentally sound team. And it's going to show on Friday night. And that's what we pride ourselves in, is being fundamentally sound and disciplined, play disciplined football.
1: Yeah, and with this new nine-team region, you guys are uh, seeing some some new opponents. <laughs> to to put it uh, simply, really, um, you know Lawrence County last week. It'll be Hillwood this week. Um, what have you guys been trying to do to prepare for these fresh faces, for these um, schools that you guys just are not at all familiar with that are now all of a sudden region foes?
2: Well, first of all, it takes a whole lot more uh, time in the the film room or in the video room, you know, so we as a staff have put more hours in, but the players have also put more hours in um, in group meetings and in the classroom versus being on the field. Uh, Because, you know, when we play a Creekwood, we know what they – we know them, you know, we know how their players are, we know um, who their players are, things like that. So in order for us to prepare for a Lawrence County or a Hillwood, we have to take a little bit of time off the practice, excuse me, off the practice field, and put it in the classroom,
0: Coach. You make that trip to Lawrence Lawrence County last week. I, I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway from that? Uh, it looked to be dominant victory, thirty nine twelve.
2: You probably really don't want to know what my takeaway was because I was very upset after that game. <laughs> we, how, how, we why are you upset
0: after a 39-12 victory?
2: <laughs> we we committed thirteen penalties. Wow, and uh, you know, a false starts, delay of games, offsides, uh, late hits—you know, just unsportsmanlike, all kinds of stuff. And I was really, it was uncharacteristic of us because we pride ourselves in playing, you know, disciplined football, and it wasn't very disciplined. Now, the the, the play itself, we were very, you know, we were very dominant, and it, and it was nice to see that. I mean, we had three hundred eighty-six yards rushing, and uh, you know, we. We uh, we won between the whistles, but it was just sloppy. And it, it was really upsetting to see how sloppy we were. And, uh, you know, that's all we talked about yesterday was how sloppy we were. And, again, if we, we, when we get ready to play a team, a top-tier team in our region, like a Tullahoma or Marshall County, Pearl Cone, you know, we'll get destroyed if we if we make 13 penalties.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned, what was it, 385 yards rushing against Lawrence County. Um I know that talking to you in the preseason, you were very high on your offensive line and, of course, um, some of your running backs. Uh, tell us about what you've seen from those guys so far, and um, for fans who are unfamiliar, uh, give us some names to uh, to keep uh, an eye on.
2: Okay, um, you know, uh, well, first of all, in the preseason, you know, we took a very different approach because we knew we had a lot of a lot of guys returning from last year, and we were we they were honored. So we were building depth in the preseason. They, they like, uh, for example, Kay Davis, who's our, who you know, he's he does the dirty work for us at fullback, and you know, we didn't let him play in the preseason. He got very few reps, you know, because we didn't need to see him hit people in the preseason. Um, so you know, he's leading the team right now in two games. He has you know uh, two hundred and a uh, little under two hundred and fifty yards rushing uh, in in two games, and and then of course his uh, counterpart is Andrew White who. uh who is, another, they're both juniors. Andrew is, uh, had a hundred yards rushing Friday night. And, you know, because of what Cade does, it opens Andrew up. And Andrew is sitting just, just under 200 yards rushing for the year. Uh, and, and they're two, two great, you know, they're a tandem that really, um, fun to watch. Now, um, they wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for the offensive line. And we have, we start five seniors up front and, uh, we challenge them this year that, you know, you know, we want to see you guys. You know, dominate games, dominate the line of scrimmage, and you know they had a big test early against Northwest or Northeast, and uh, they did a great job against a very big physical offensive line or defensive line at Northeast, um, and then they carried it over again last week. So, you know, we we uh, we pride ourselves in being being a very physical football team. You know, the smart word "smash mouth" is. Um. Used a little bit, and you know that's what we do. You know that's that's what we that's what we we can, we're not going to out an athlete people, we're not going to outrun people. So we just might as well be more physical than people.
0: Coach, five straight games before your bye week. I'm wondering how do you counter all that production over a month as you get you know ready to to go into the meat of your district schedule.
2: And that's you know that's the key to playing the style of football that we play is keeping people fresh and so we have to uh we have to, to rotate a lot of people and and uh you know with the exception of that offensive line we have a couple of other guys we play seven we play seven offensive linemen for five spots so they rotate um pretty well and uh you know our defense we d- defensively we have um you know about 18 guys that play defense out of out of the 11 so the 11 starters but there's 18 total that rotate and you know we have to really keep people fresh and trying to take or you know, try to keep uh, the reps down. And some of the kids they don't like it. They want to be on the field, but you know, I have to remind them, you know, this is the bigger picture. We're not looking at, you know, this play. We're looking at three three games from now and you still being fresh and healthy and so and not worn out. So, you know, that's the kind of the approach we take. And, you know, so far so good, it's 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 worked for us so far.
1: Absolutely. And then, uh, looking at the, at the makeup of the region, um, you got three teams and ironically, these are the three teams you're going to end your schedule with in Pearl Cone, Marshall County, and Tullahoma. Uh, those three are uh, probably going to be favorites to lock up, uh, three of the postseason spots. Assuming that is the case. Um, why should people believe that Montgomery Central can get that fourth playoff spot?
2: Uh, just because we're, you know, the style of football that we play and, you know, and, uh, you know like I said we're going to be physical we're going to control the football and going into the northeast game last week or 2 weeks ago as the same as so we will have the same approach going into say a Marshall county game you know I, I I'm I, I, tell, I tell our players all the time I said I'm a very selfish person I don't want the other team to play with my ball so we're going to keep the ball on offense for as long as we possibly can we're going to, we're going to run those we're going to run the game clock down so all 40 seconds off of it, snap the ball with three seconds left every time and shorten the game. That gives us an opportunity at the end to win the game. And I feel like we do a pretty good job of doing that. And, uh, you know, if we can eliminate penalties that we had the other night, if we can eliminate those, we got as good a shot or as, as, as any, not just to get the fourth spot, but maybe slip up and beat somebody and end up in the second or third slot.
1: Absolutely. That would be big for football in uh, Montgomery County as a whole. Um, Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. It was uh, great talking to you and uh, best of luck this Friday.
0: Joining us now on Coach Speak is Portland head coach Wes Inman coming off a big victory on the road last week at Northwest. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing well, sir. And you? Doing very good. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Hey, so uh, quick question. So Portland is riding high right now, right? I think we can all, or think we both, can understand that maybe chests are puffed out a little further this week. You know, things are things are really exciting. I'm curious from from your point of view, how have you been able to, I guess, temper expectations or keep things in check as you head into maybe the biggest game of the season?
3: I think the gravity of the situation is of such that. It kind of takes care of itself. Uh, Even when our years have been lean, the young men have really rallied together in this week uh, because it's a rivalry that dates back. Uh, Curtis Marlin from the Portland Leader sent me the list of how many Portland had won, the origin of the game. And, uh, you know, it it really is a back-and-forth rivalry over the years, and I think the boys just bring a certain focus regardless of uh, what their record is at the time. And we know that they're a quality team. They've got some explosive athletes, uh, one in particular, uh, Rain, and Bra- Rain and Blackburn. They've got some size. They're always going to be physical. And so keeping our heads focused has been relatively easy.
0: For those who may not be familiar with this Portland White House
3: rivalry, how would you describe it? <clears throat> it's going to be a game uh, if you're the home team, the gate is going to be very good for you because <laughs> you're probably going to see anywhere from two to three thousand people there. Uh, it's one that people come back to. It's one that people look forward to, and uh, it, it 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 also brings about uh, in otherwise completely sane people uh, a lot of emotions. Uh, the blood <laughs> boils whether they're playing. Uh, golf or soccer or girls' basketball or football. Uh, the, apparently the, the old guard is very, very passionate about this, which then feeds into the, the younger and newer generations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Wes, as as the Clarksville guy here on the call, um, I know that uh, some of my listeners are going to want to know about uh, Portland. Now that you know, you guys have, well, you guys have already beaten Northwest, so they might not like you a little bit at the moment. <laughs> but uh, you guys still have uh, Northeastern Kenwood on the schedule, and you guys will be competing for a postseason spot uh, with them, presumably. Um, what should uh, those schools know about this year's Portland Panthers team?
3: Well, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to be physical. Uh, We pride ourselves in being assignment sound. We try to capitalize on anything that's given. Uh, We try to take what's not given. And uh, while all that's pretty cliche, that's kind of a common thread uh, in teams that are beginning uh, or having some burgeoning success. And I think we're starting to have some burgeoning success, success at this point.
0: Coach, how would you grade your improvement from week one to week three? Or we, or I guess now going into week four, how would you grade your ability to improve from, you know, that first game until now?
3: So I, first of all, would grade it on confidence. Um, we didn't know, you know, we had played a tough preseason schedule and we did well, but didn't win the last few scrimmages that we were in, uh, which proved to be pivotal, I think, in our success uh, now that the season started, um, we, ha- we have the saying, and, and Zach knows this, we're going to have big plays, bad plays, and everything in between. But I'm not going to quit calling the plays that we've repped in practice uh, since spring practice started. And uh, they know that I'm coming back to a play. They're also starting to learn that if I'm having the big game this week, people may key on me the next week, and that allows – other people opportunities uh, to play. And I think our unselfish level unselfishness level has gotten pretty high. So I would give them an A on that. And uh, but as far as overall, you know probably from where we started, probably you know working about a 75 to 80 percent improvement, we've still got room to grow, which is what excites us the most. Like I can still uh, nitpick a play to death and, and find things that could have been better on it. Uh, so I'd say, you know, from the effort and the confidence standpoint, you know, we're sitting, you know, somewhere around an a from overall somewhere around a C right now, which is probably where you would want to be going into week four.
1: I would think so. So looking at last week's game against Northwest, uh, putting up 56 points, especially on the road against an unfamiliar opponent. Um, uh, that's, that's as much of a win in the, uh, uh, in the heart, I would say, as it is on the on the wind column, um, what did you guys do against the Vikings there that uh, you think that you guys can really build up with
3: We really committed to running our base, and uh, you know we used a few formations to get them in a desirable position. Uh, one thing that they did really well is. They didn't quit on plays. They swarmed. Uh, if, you, if we had a long run, it's because for the entirety of the long run, we were dipping and dodging and mixing and moving and taking care of business. Um, they also uh, had some physical players, some very physical players in spots. And uh, we were able to contend with that. It, it really was the third time in a row that this season that we've seen a physical bunch across from us. And uh, just knowing that you can move the ball on a team that has some speed, some athleticism, and some aggressive kids, uh, we believe that's going to you know, pay dividends as uh, the year progresses.
0: Coach, you're average, averaging nearly 400 yards per game on, on the ground. You knew the offensive line would be one of the strengths of your team coming into this year, but are you even surprised a little bit by how dominant they've been through three week games?
3: Yeah, frankly, I am. That uh, When we looked at the numbers, uh, there's, there's always a little stat differential uh, between people, but uh, somewhere around 1150 to 1183, is what we've amassed through three games on the ground, and uh, you know that bro- the 1183 breaks down to three uh, 194.3. Uh, I didn't think that that's where we would be this quickly. Uh, and and listen, we're going to go up against a, a, an incredibly stout, very disciplined defense, and uh, those numbers are going to look different at some point. Um, I hope they don't, but. Uh, I imagine that that we'll run into that brick wall at some point, and we'll have to throw more. We'll have to lean on our option game more. Uh, But with that said, you know, we're also gaining quite a bit in the kicking game, and uh, we've had several returns for touchdowns. So uh, hopefully where we fall short in one area, we may make up for it in another area.
0: You know, Coach, one of the things that's often overlooked with the wing tee is you have to get all your skill guys on the same page, uh, whether it be Jalen Perot, Braylon Dowlin, Freddie Paxton, Mason Swonger. You've got a handful of guys that can carry the football. I'm curious, what was your message to those guys just to keep them together and on the same page to let them know, like, hey, at any given moment, it could go to someone else five, six, seven times in a row?
3: Well, You know, years ago I heard uh, Bruce Hatfield one day in a practice when I was at Hawkins Middle School. I'd come over to watch Hendersonville High School practice. Uh, I heard him say a good fake is worth two blocks. And we have preached to our uh, young men that everybody's a blocker, even if the fake is your block on that particular play. Everybody's got to be a blocker in this. Um, So if a fake's worth two blocks, then my faking needs to be excellent on every play. Uh, Now, look, you start out with definitives, and you start out with your non-negotiables. Our non-negotiable was, if you want to be a back, you've got to block, first of all. Second, you've got to carry out your fakes. But if you have to be the impetus for that motivation all the time, if you've got to hang veiled threats over their head all the time, then you're really not getting buy-in. What we eventually got was just buy-in to it. and. Uh, So Braylon understands if Jalen's game's going very well, then Braylon knows that pretty soon I'm going to get a big run. Freddie knows that if Braylon's getting big runs, pretty soon I'm going to get a big run. And they start to trust one another. And so it's not really motivated by anything that we're saying now. It's motivated by their fundamental belief that me doing well helps my teammate do well, which then in turn helps me do the things that I want to do from a personal goal standpoint. Like Jalen Perot only had uh, it was debatable somewhere from 70 to 80 yards, but we gave him officially 72, I think is the best that we were able uh, to, to agree on with different people recording stats. Well, that's quite a few less than 207, and that's quite a few less than 155, and yet he was incredibly happy because I I told him at one point, I said, you're doing a great job with your fakes, and they're keying on you after last week's performance. And that's allowing other guys to do the things that we want them to do. And so there's just a real team atmosphere between those guys. And like I said, those are the, you know, I, I read somewhere that we have a three-headed monster. We actually have more than that. We uh, we have a good backup fullback in Hunter Mays, who had 52 yards the other night. Uh, we have... Uh, a guy who's a very textbook runner uh, for the wing tee, and Elijah Allen, uh, who averaged nine yards a carry the other night. And then we've got Mason Swanger, and Mason Swanger's had several big runs. And you'll also start to hear more about a young man named Isaiah Woods, who had a touchdown late the other night when we had our second team offense in. Um, we had our second team offensive line, but he is actually uh, in our third group of running backs. Uh, he's a very talented sophomore as well.
1: That is a a lot of heads on that running monster, I will say that. So um, so we know that Portland, they're going to run the ball. Uh, they're going to put some points on the board. Um, but how about the defense? Because uh, you will be facing teams like Northeast and Kenwood, who um, each scored over 60 points in week one. Um, what are you guys uh, looking to do on defense that you think can help carry you to some wins?
3: So we had a little bit of attrition uh, through injuries and uh A couple other circumstances that arose over the summer we we initially started out in a 34 and we were a two high team and and uh we were doing some fairly standard things out of our two high look well we have since then changed to a base 44 a 44 angle um it allows uh you to get uh It allows you to adjust on the back half quite a bit while keeping it really simple for the front half. And this week will be our third week in that particular front. And the improvement that we made from the East Hamilton game until last week and then the improvement that we believe we're going to make into this week is going to allow us hopefully to manage the amount of points that the other team can score. We're very young on defense. I looked up at one point uh, last week, and we had four sophomores on the field during during first-team time. And uh, we believe that we're going to continue to get better and better and make it harder and harder. We're sort of a bend-but-don't-break scheme. We know we're going to give up some yards, and we're going to not panic and allow our young men to learn to play out of situations. And we've got a little blitz package if we need uh, to get something going. And we actually – stayed in our blitz package a little more uh, the other night against Clarksville Northwest. Clarksville Northwest did a very good job of throwing the ball down the field. And they had speed if they caught something short. They had speed enough to make up yardage really, really quickly. Uh, So we couldn't just hang back and allow them to keep doing that. We had to come after them a little bit. And and an area of refinement for them right now is their run game. And I think that's pretty evident watching the film. Uh, So we weren't as concerned about that. Now, when we face a team that we're also concerned about how well they run the ball, then we'll have to modify things again. But we are very confident in our defense, especially with as many young guys as we're playing. Like we'll only lose two or three seniors that are starters off of the defense, and their their junior or sophomore backups get to play quite a bit already. So, uh, you know, we're confident that we'll continue to see our defense grow.
0: Folks, you heard it here. First, a slew of playmakers for the Portland Panthers team. They're surely going to be a force to be reckoned with in Region 7-5A. Coach Wes Inman, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you up down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you. Zach,
1: let's get into our picks for this week. Um, looking at my first game, um, I'm going to... Uh, be at this one. It's going to be the Rossview Hawks at the Northeast Eagles. Now, these two teams played what might have been the game of the year last year. Um, that was a seven to four football game, and I'm personally <laughs> a sucker for football games that have a final score that look like baseball scores. I mean, you um, are a Big Ten fan, so that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure how many people watched Penn State Wisconsin, but um, if you did, I'm sure you wish you didn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, this year could be a different story. I mean, Rossview was 0 and three. Northeast is coming off their first losing streak since 2019. Right now, uh, they're one and two. So. You know, maybe there's going to be a similar amount of defense this week. Um, Maybe that lack of scoring will come into play again. But uh, it's going to be a different story. These two teams were very good last year. Probably the two best teams in Montgomery County. um, And you can't really say the same this season um, after they both lost a lot, especially on defense. Um, Now, one thing they do have in common is they lost um, a lot of talent from defense, like I just mentioned. Uh, They both have some penalty troubles. Um, and they both need wins right now. I mean, they're not they're not region opponents, um, but they're city opponents. And I know that these teams all absolutely hunger to beat each other because they do have what they call a city championship. And if you're not going to be able to beat the teams in your city, I mean, you just you don't you don't get those bragging rights. Um, now, what makes me want to pick Northeast over Ross U in this one is they do have some more offensive firepower. Um, they've got guys that quarterback Jaden Puig can throw to, guys like Tyke's Planton and Desmond Fort. Uh, they can hand the ball to Cam Adafi or Tyke's Blanton. Um And I, I do have some confidence in them. Now, their defense isn't great, but Ross U has scored one touchdown this season um, and two field goals. I mean, they've, they've just had trouble to move the ball. Um, so in this one, I'm going to take Northeast 22 to 10. And uh, looking at my uh, next game, uh, this one is an interesting one to me. Um, it is Northwest, who you know we talked to Wes Inman. Uh, they just beat up good on uh, Northwest. Um, they're facing the Whites Creek Cobras, um, who are two and one. However, they're a two-way school, and the teams that they've beaten, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean here, but they weren't that very good. They, they weren't very good. Um, whereas Northwest, some of the teams they face, much stiffer competition. You know, they just played Portland, who is better than anyone White's Creek has played. Um, they're a 5A school. Um, I think that this could be a game that Northwest has a chance at winning. It might be the only one that they that they win this year. And I'm sure that that's something that they know. Um, they know what their schedule looks like. They know that they have some tough teams coming up. You know, they still got to face... The Henry counties of the world, you know, they still got Springfield on the schedule. They got some tough, tough football teams coming up. And um, I think that that, along with the fact that they are probably going to have better athletes, they are probably going to have some bigger kids than Whites Creek. um, I think because of that, they could come away with a 20 to 18 win, which is what I have predicted.
0: So a close contest, uh, nevertheless. Looking at my Sumner County picks, I don't have a lot of games this week. Uh, Beach and Hendersonville are both on a bye. Gallatin plays Station Camp. Portland plays White House, so that obviously knocks down how many games I've got. Um, so w- we'll stick with the first one that I'm going to pick, and that's Pope John Paul II versus Independence. The Knights are 3-0. and The Eagles are 1-2. Uh, Pope John Paul entering the contest, eyeing 4-0 for the second season in a row. Um, You know, Pope is coming off maybe their biggest game of the season last week in a 21-14 victory over Father Ryan. And with a a region game next week at Baylor looming, one can't help but wonder if this is a trap game uh, or a left-down opportunity for for Pope Prep. Uh, Justin Geisinger, their head coach, has constantly preached that his culture has never been better from a competitive standpoint on any given Friday night. Um, but this week is, is a real opportunity to show that that is true. Independence may be one and two on the seag- on the season, but I don't think they're going to be any pushover come Friday night. That said, I do feel like Pope John Paul II is on a different level than, than Independence is. So I think that Friday night could prove to get some opportunities for guys that maybe don't see the field as much. So I'm picking Pope John Paul II to, to win 45 to 21 over Independence. Looking at my next game, Westmoreland at Smith County, Westmoreland may be the best 0-3 team in Class 2A. That said, I I don't know all the teams in Class uh, 2A, but man, they've had a gauntlet the first three weeks playing Class 5A Portland in Week 1, playing Class 4A Macon County in Week 2, and then playing a very good Class 2A team on the road at Watertown in Week 3. Well, they're going to go on the road again and face a Class Four, excuse me, Class Three A team in Smith County this week. So, don't expect uh, them to be. I guess I don't want to say overly concerned, but they should be prepared for a matchup against a school that is that has bigger numbers than they are. all that said, since their 28-point outburst against Portland in Week 1, Westmoreland has struggled to score the, the football. They've only got six points through two games, including a shutout last week. Uh, but the Owls' defense does look susceptible, giving up 21 points per game. I do think points will be at a premium come Friday night. With that in mind, I do think Westmoreland has kind of gone through the trenches a little bit, so I'm going to pick them to win 18-14 to 14 over Smith County.
1: So that's another close football game. We, uh, we're looking to have a couple of those this week. Uh, one game that I don't think is going to be super close is uh, a, p- a pair of one and two teams from Clarksville. We got the Kenwood Knights visiting the West Creek Coyotes. Um, now, both of these teams are coming off blowout losses from against top 25 teams. Um, but if you take a look at those, I don't think these those losses are, are as comparable as it might look. Um, Now, Kenwood last year lost to Henry County um, at home, 62 to nothing. This year, they went to Paris and lost by just, you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, just 31. So that's uh, cutting that deficit in half. And they only trailed that halftime by single digits. So to go to um, Paris and to have a much better game than they had last season shows that this is a better uh, Kenwood team. Now... You can't say the same for the Coyotes. Uh, West Creek lost to Gallatin last week, as I know that you know, uh, Zach. They lost fifty-four to twelve, and when you take into account that they were losing forty-seven to six at halftime, well, it's not great. Um, and and you look uh, last year that Kenwood beat West Creek forty-two to twelve, and that Kenwood is better this year than they were last year. I just don't see this game being very close. Um, I'm taking Kenwood, 55-18. Shoo-wee! Yeah, and uh, as and <laughs> now a game that could be the complete opposites here is going to be Clarksville, who is 2-1 against the Dixon County Cougars. They are 0-3. Uh, this is another longtime rivalry, uh, really the third game in a row for Clarksville High after playing Springfield and Rossview, uh, now against Dixon County, where... They've had some sort of rivalry with this school in the past. Uh, Now, this is a a much older one than Rossview. Um, Not as many kids now are really going to see this as as much of a rivalry, so it's not really going to have that same intensity. Um, But I think it's going to be over in a hurry, and I don't mean that it's going to be a blowout. I mean that these two teams are going to run the football into the ground, and and whoever's at this game could be out of there by 9 o'clock. The minutes are going to fly off the clock, and I honestly think that, One touchdown could be all it takes to win this one.
0: And I've got Carson winning 10 to three. Chewy low scoring affair. Uh, But you know what? Those games that are over like that, I kind of like covering those games, right? Don't you? A little bit.
1: (laughs) Always nice to get back home, get your story written and, being yeah, bed, uh, maybe get in bed at one o'clock instead of two o'clock.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I've got two more two more games left to pick. Brady, they're both rivalry games. Uh, we'll we'll stick with the first one: Portland versus White House. We just had Wes Inman on to talk about their rivalry. It's going to be super intense. Both teams are two and one. If there's anything that I've learned about this rivalry in my six, seven years being around it, it, is that it's gonna be a close game no matter what. It's You're gonna get the best of both teams. Over the last 11 meetings, Portland trails this series five to six in the win-loss column, but they are three and two in the previous five against the Blue Devils. Uh, both teams will present each other problems. You can guarantee that. Uh, you know, you heard Wes Inman mentioned that Rainey Blackburn is a very good player for White House. And uh, listen, he can get loose and get loose in a hurry and, and score some points for that offense. I do think both teams' starting 11s go hand in hand. I, th- I think there's there's real no winner between if you look at both of them. But where I do think Portland has the edge is in its depth, um, and I think you'll see that come Friday night. I think when the third fourth quarter rolls around, you'll start seeing that big offensive line start moving that White House defensive line. You'll start seeing bigger and bigger chunk plays happen. So uh, I've got Portland winning this game actually 28 to 14 over their rival Blue Devils. And looking at my final pick, um, another uh, rivalry game. This one is the battle for the Mayor's Cup. This Mayor's Cup has been in existence only for a few years now, uh, but it has made this rivalry game a little bit more intense. I think anytime you play for a trophy, you, you, you tend to get the, a little bit more out of out of one another. That said, even if they just played for bragging rights, you would still get the best of both teams. Uh, but that said, it's here. Station Camp's going to make the trip to the waveyard. Uh Gallatin head coach Ched Watson is trying to improve to three and over three and O over his crosstown rival, while second-year bison head coach Brent Alexander is trying to lock down his first win over his alma mater. Um, if there's one thing that I have learned about Station Camp. Brady so far this season is they have learned to win football games, something that has not been the case in the past. So that's got to be a little bit scary for Gallatin, right? You've got a team now that's coming in that knows how to win. That's three and on the season uh, and is hungry to knock you off and is hungry to get a little bit of revenge for the last two years. All that said, I do think it's going to be a low scoring affair. Um, neither defense has really surrendered much Uh, This season, I know Gallatin gave up 30-plus in their Week 1 loss at Mount Juliet, but I think that's more uh, to say for Mount Juliet than it is for Gallatin. Um, I do think points will be at a premium. That said, with the Wave Yard being a tough place to win at, I am going to roll with the Wave in a close one, 17-14 to over station camp.
1: Yeah, kids just play better when they know that there's a photo op at the end of the game, right? They they can get that picture of them holding up a trophy, put it on their Instagrams. Um, You know, those are always fun games, man. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, now looking at my next game, the Clarksville Academy Cougars who are three and um, are hosting a unique opponent this week. They're facing the Tennessee heat uh, who are two and two. Now this is a freelance team. So they don't have a region made up of homeschool kids who still want to play football. And um, that's always a cool thing to see, man. I mean, that's, a, that's about as unique as it gets in the area. I mean, um, it's no Bishop Sycamore. That's for sure. Uh, this is, this is, they're a real football team, man. And they've played some pretty good schools. Um, however, Clarksville Academy is just, they're a good football team right now, man. Uh, I mean, they just ended up beating middle Tennessee Christian, who I know is not the best team in the state. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say that they are, uh, you know, uh, some incredible Davidson Academy, CPA type, type school. Um, the Clarksville Academy, like you said about station camp, man, they're just learning how to win. Um, and you can see that with their undefeated record. Uh, now take into account that that's, this is a home game for Clarksville Academy. And they're also making this a, nine uh, 11 20th anniversary Memorial event. Uh, that could get the players juices flowing even more, man. You get that emotion going. Um, you get them ready to go. I mean, I think this is going to be a good football game for the Cougars. Uh, I know they're doing a little bit of a surprise before the game. So anyone at the game can see something pretty cool going on before, um, Um, So I would recommend that. I don't want to say it uh, on here. I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but um, I know they're going to be doing something pretty cool. Um, Now, with the way Scott Murray has been leading this team, I got faith in in CA. Uh, I got them beating the Tennessee Heat 31-17 and looking at my last game unfortunately um i on kind of a dud here because i think this is going to be a blowout uh, the montgomery central indians we talked to jeff tomlinson they're three and facing the hillwood hilltoppers or are and three um now this is a fam- hillwood is familiar for people who have been following football in montgomery county because they lost the Kenwood 65 to 7 earlier this year um and they just had a COVID forfeit against pearl cone and that's probably for the best uh that game would have probably been pretty ugly Um, They've only scored 13 points this year against Kenwood and McGavick, um, a couple teams who are not necessarily known for their defenses. um, And that's coming against now Montgomery central who shut out Northeast, a team that scored 60 something, 62 points in week one. Um, I just don't see this one being very close. Um, I think it's going to be over uh, pretty early. Um, Jeff Thomas said he doesn't like to share the football. Uh, I don't think I don't think Hillwood's going to have many opportunities to score here. I got Montgomery Central winning this 35 to nothing.
0: Brady, I think that does it for our Week Four picks. Uh, anxious to see how we come out. Uh, I know we don't ever talk about the Mid State picks on here, but shout out to Brady who went ten and zero on his Mid State picks last week. I believe I just saw the email. You're now twenty-six and four overall. That's pretty solid, man. Hey, I'm proud of myself. Uh, I, I know I might get accused of cheating, um, as
1: Chris <laughs> Yao has already done on Twitter. Um, but, you know, I got to chalk that one up to jealousy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, shout out, Brady, for the for the 10-0 week, 26-4 on MidState Picks. But you know what? All that matters in this podcast is your Montgomery County pick. So, if you go winless, I'm calling you out next week, Brady. Well,
1: I just want to say I did go 7-0 in my Montgomery County picks. So... I'm I'm not really uh, accepting much criticism right now. (laughs) Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. You've been listening to Coach Speak with Brady and Zach, the latest in high school football from Montgomery and Sumner counties. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.